Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi guys and welcome to the official Trek Culture Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Sean Ferrick, and joining me is the effervescent Paul Sutherland. Say hi, Paul. Hey, everyone. Each week, Paul and I are going to be tackling the big questions that are raised in the Star Trek universe. And this week, for our inaugural episode, we will be trying to answer the big question, has Michael Burnham finally settled down? So, that's going to be our big one this week. But before we crack straight into that really quickly... Paul, let the lovely people who are hopefully watching this or listening to this right now know who you are. I am Paul Sutherland. I am largely responsible for Trek Culture's 10 Secrets of X Starships, which are performed on YouTube by Adam Cleary, with a lot more personality than I put into the uh, articles. Um, I also um, happen to play uh, Shipyard Bar Patron Uncredited in Star Trek 2009. That is literally 100% more Star Trek film than I have ever been in, or probably will ever be in. So that's that's pretty impressive. Believe me, I bring it up in conversation whenever I can, so... Ah, well, I mean, like, I kind of... It's only been, what, four four times this evening since since since, since we started? I mean, uh, that's, I would do the same as well. <laughs> but, uh, no, that's, that's really, really cool. Um, hopefully, um, you might know who I am, which sounds really big-headed, but if you've been following the channel, uh, I present the ups and downs every week for Discovery, and I did for Lower Decks as well. So... That's where we, we've, we've come together to do this because there's a lot of stuff is coming up with Discovery. There's a lot of questions this season. There's a lot of lore being thrown at us this season. So straight away, Paul, I'm going to put you to work. Would you mind really quickly what's, what's going on in the world of Discovery up to this point? Because this is our first episode, but this is Discovery's third season seventh episode man i should have prepared for this uh michael and the crew of the uss discovery have taken the sphere data uh, from the 23rd century into the 32nd century which is a bit of a post-apocalyptic setting this time around um 
the burn has uh, disabled most warp-capable starships, reduced the Federation to a uh, skeleton of its former self, and Michael and newly minted Captain Saru have made it their mission to reunite the Federation and discover what exactly is the burn, what caused the uh, state of the universe to be so lousy in the 32nd century. That's pretty pretty bloody good sum up because that yeah that's the season in a nutshell but overall i'm really enjoying this year i have to say that i i think it's i think it was the, the show for me had a rocky first year what star trek season with the exception of lower decks didn't have a rocky first year and i thought it improved at season two and i think it's it's after improving again in season three just really how do you feel about discovery kind of overall yeah, um, I kind of look at Discovery as kind of like the chameleon Star Trek show. Um, Brian Fuller allegedly pitched it as an, a Star Trek anthology series, which would have a different setting and a new crew and a new ship every season. And I'm kind of feeling like, even though there's not a new ship or crew every season, the show is taking that anthology series sort of approach and reinventing itself every year. And I'm very fond of the reinvention that's going on in season three. Uh, taking it so far in the future obviously gives them a blank slate, which I really appreciate. Um, and I, I think the franchise at large, the current Star Trek universe, is is it's got so much opportunity to tell great new stories with you know uh, Picard now in the what like the 25th century. I mean, they must maybe cross that threshold into the 24th. Um, discovering the 32nd century. Um, there's like a whole blank canvas there. And then uh, Lower Decks, you know, the animated format really gives them the opportunity to do um, a lot of new stuff. So I think just in general, the Star Trek universe on CBS is in a great position. Now, do I totally agree with every single story beat that's occurred in the last couple seasons? No, not at all. But I, I, I love the 32nd century setting of Star Trek Discovery Season 3. I'm loving getting to know the universe all over again um like i to be honest i i couldn't agree more um i really i really like how they're both building on and bringing back a lot of the lore as well now lower decks was the biggest example of that lower decks was i mean uh, some of the easter eggs that you were catching in those episodes was just like oh oh wow this is deep dive stuff and it was really really cool um this episode of discovery so this is probably the biggest and most obvious connection to trek history that they've nearly done so far and what i mean by yeah. that is we had spock and pike as characters last season like they were obviously they were main players but this week we have leonard nimoy yeah, I'd say this is the biggest uh, throwback episode since If Memory Serves from last season, which used, you know, the footage from the cage to seg into continuing that story. Uh, the reuse of footage of Spock from Unification Parts. Uh, I, just, I think it's just two, part two. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I thought that was great. I thought that was a, a really clever way to, to uh, bring Spock back into the picture and give Michael a little... Uh, closure and a little i mean she has no idea what he's been up to so uh, yeah that's true i've uh, probably much like yourself i've, I've rewatched this episode a couple of times now to see if there was anything i missed on first watch and to be honest it, it, there is things i missed on the first watch which i've enjoyed spotting there's there's one or two little kind of 
nitpicky things which I'm going to enjoy because they made me smile. They, it, it's not so. It, I'm not sure to eviscerate the episode. Give me oh, are you talking about the fact that Spock's clothes change mid sentence in the uh, archival footage? Or the fact of who was recording the archival footage? Or the fact that original Discovery jumps to Nivar? Well, arrives Wait. at Nivar, I should say. Wait, does it? Yeah. Now, again, I, in the ups and downs uh, a couple of weeks ago, I sort of got up on my soapbox and I started talking about ah, 23rd century ships and blah, 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 blah. And then I, I kind of rapidly thought, well, hang on now. All of the post-production for this season was done in a cupboard. So, you know, kind of chill out and relax. And with that in mind, as Discovery leaves Starfleet HQ and you get to see the cool, straight away they answer the question, the nacelles retract back into the the wings and then they jump because people what happens if the middle bit spins but they leave the nacelles behind so that's answered but yes it's original golden and more specifically intact wing discovery arrives at Nivar and I smiled I smiled but again like I'm no graphic artist I am not making any kind of complaints here I thought it was fun gosh I'm usually the first person to notice that kind of stuff I must have been really involved in the episode I did notice that a lot of the background graphics on the set still use the original configuration discovery, but, you know, you can kind of explain that away in-universe. Uh, no, I totally agree. Um, yes, they do. But So, all right, so the episode... So the main crux of the episode is they go back to... So first of all, let's talk about Nivar. So Vulcan's gone, but it isn't. Well, it's not gone. It, it's still Vulcan, and I think there was a little bit of confusion... I read a couple of reviews <clears throat> from non-Star Trek, uh, you know, geared uh, websites that were confused about Vulcan being around after the Kelvin Timeline movies, but that fully misunderstands the fact that Discovery is set in the Prime Universe. I don't know why you wouldn't know that this far in, but yeah, it is Vulcan. It appears to have been terraformed or sp <laughs> spruced up for the Romulans. Uh, it looked a lot greener than, you know, it has in the past. I, I think that my... Major disappointment with the episode. Yeah, I'm getting. I'm just going right there. Um, <laughs> Get it out of the way first. It's cool. It's cool. I, I will not begrudge them a bottle episode. Uh, you know, bottle episodes are like a tradition in the franchise, but it's a huge missed opportunity to go to Vulcan and not beam down to the surface and give us a little look at what's going. <laughs> you know, I, I totally. I would love that as well because we got even a few seconds, but we got a few seconds on Earth. Um, I would very much like to see, but. Maybe we'll come back. If Navar is as important as they're setting it up to be, and the context of that is this SB19 study, which was a study that was operating at the time of the burn, which the, the people, I can't even say the Vulcans, the people of Navar have withheld because of deep-seated mistrust between Navar and the Federation. Uh, if that is as important as it seems it's going to be, I have a feeling we will be back to Navarre before season's end, and hopefully we'll get down onto the surface. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, you know, I'm not alone in loving the Vulcans and the Romulans and all of that uh, political intrigue uh, that made Star Trek Picard so appealing to me. Um, and while I don't want to see Discovery step on Star Trek Picard's toes, um, I, I would love a little bit more time on Navarre and getting a little taste of what that's like on the surface and what their culture is like. I agree. I would love to... Actually, I totally agree because I'm really curious to see what does a joint 
Romulan Vulcan heritage look like now? Because they have clearly integrated um, and they are operating now. There's obviously there's mistrust, but what does... Uh, do they have mixed schools? Is there some sort of segregation going on on the planet? Yeah, well, I mean, there's obviously mistrust, but I think they specifically said in the text of the episode that there are Romulan and Vulcan districts, which indicates that they are somewhat segregated, which is a little bit disappointing, but, uh, you know, uh, it's, it's at least rife for interesting storytelling. No, I totally agree. I think the, the, the quorum panel... So uh, Burnham invokes the ritual of... Tiklan Iket? Yeah, I didn't write that one down. So. <laughs> she invokes the ritual. That means she effectively forces the sort of Navar Science Academy to... She needs to present, much like you would uh, present your thesis in front of a PhD uh, like selection panel. Uh, she has to stand and basically prove why they should give her this data. Um, I suppose important, sorry, important information. They are no longer members of the Federation. Um, that was probably one of the biggest uh, reveals of certainly the first half of the episode was that you know Vulcan, one of the core members of the Federation, is no longer a member. What did you think of that? Yeah, I think that I, I hope that the the show uh, addresses it because I think there's like a larger issue with the Federation, not just that it's you know been separated from most of the rest of the galaxy, or not just because. They don't have the ability to explore space anymore. There's something philosophically different about the Federation in 32nd century. It almost seems like Earth and Vulcan. I mean, Earth, uh, gosh, the uh, captain of the Earth Defense Force, uh, she says, uh, why would we be part of the Federation? We can, we can take care of ourselves. There's like a philosophical change in the way people are looking at the Federation. It's like it's no longer important um, Vulcan to Navarre, you know, they just didn't seem like they needed the Federation anymore. I, I, I want to know more about that. I think so. And actually, just picking up on something really quickly that you're saying there, in, in the initial scene where Burnham and Saru bring Burnham's theory to Admiral Vance, this is before they leave now, and, and he gets really, you know, for Vance, he gets really quite excited with the idea of being able to approach Navarre and Burnham is Spock's sister great basically she's like a skeleton key she's going to get them through the door and I wonder is there maybe is there some sort of greed there in terms of you know let's say Vance wants to rebuild the Federation and the crew of the Discovery want to rebuild the Federation but are they both coming at it in two completely different directions is Vance going, they have resources that we need, and we don't have the resources to invade, but we might be able to diplomatically get. And then Saru and the crew of Discovery are just like, well, we're all great friends. Well, I don't know how you feel about this, but as I kind of alluded to, I, I really do think that there's a, there's a shoe to drop with the Federation this season. Um, it might be a major twist about the nature of the Federation, which is something that I would be interested in 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 seeing or there might just be like you said like it might be like a motive uh you know or they might be up to something uh not necessarily nefarious but not you know not something that they're open about right now um their uh complete ignorance of the burn you know like deliberate ignorance of the burn to me i found that suspect that might just be like a um like a contrivance to to motivate our characters to learn about it, but uh, 
in my mind, it, it, it read like there was more to, to come from the Federation, that we don't quite know everything we should know about them. Maybe I'm wrong, but uh, I would like to see that. I, 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 I think so as well. I think that's definitely... So that's something um, we will revisit on, on this pod, I think, a fair bit, because I think every week we're going to get more breadcrumbs, if you like, and I definitely have theories. Um, yes. Uh, we, so that's our promise to you here. We will revisit. But just for this episode, I, one thing I really liked about the quorum, I will come to in a second, because there's one more person who arrives on Discovery who we sort of need to address um that would be dr gabriel burnham oh what the original red angel the original nice i like that we already within this season we already have an original season no i like it. Uh, the what og did you think, angel um yeah what did I, you think of her reveal so i suppose both so early in the season even though we're halfway through but also there's so little fanfare what did you think i don't want to be that guy who just like constantly negs the show because i, I did like this episode but uh, I thought that my read on it was that uh, the Kawat Malat advocate was baked into the story, and at some point the writers were like, well, we need a little bit more connection to Michael, so wait, what if the Kawat Malat advocate is her mom? And like that, <laughs> that, that's what my, that was what my read on that was. Um, it, it felt shoehorned, and it also felt like they were kind of just getting it over with. That they they'd set up this minor mystery about what's going on with Dr. Burnham, but weren't really that interested in pursuing that storyline. So they threw her in and got rid of her. And um, to me, that's a little disappointing because I think of all the Michael stories that the show has um, you know, generated, um, finding her long-lost mother is more interesting to me than seeing than finding out what the burn's about. Like the burn could be a throwaway color, you know, a detail about the universe that I would be interested in learning about, but I would be more intrigued if the point of the season was to get Michael to reunite with her mother and then the Federation to reunite with its former member worlds. Like, I, that's, that, that, that's more interesting to me than the big mystery again. You know, last season the big mystery was what and who is the Red Angel and what are they doing? And this season, it's what's the burn, and uh, to me, like that's just like if everything in the universe is going to tie into Michael Burnham as the protagonist of Star Trek Discovery, why not just make the season about her personal journey to reunite with her mother? Yeah, I, I think so. That's there's a few you've raised a few really good points there, right? Yeah, sorry, um, that was a rant. No, 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 it's it's grand. It's I'll try and go through them I think one by one because I, I know you know we're pretty much on the same page when it comes to the burn and I, I've interacted a little bit with people online about this about people have very varying opinions on the burn some love that it's the big season um, you know mystery and that's cool some are I, I'm not in that camp I'm a little bit like yourself I think it in itself to me is not a strong enough mystery for it to be, uh, say, potentially episode 13 reveal, even if we find out a bit sooner. I do like to concede that there has been an incident. I like that. But I'm more concerned in seeing the fallout of that incident, which we are getting a little bit in how the Federation has been splintered, how Earth and Vulcan, and presumably Andor 
have left the Federation. Now, I know not every Andorian has joined this, uh, the... Emerald Chain. Emerald Chain, on the <laughs> other hand, uh, is this new Orion Syndicate, which is sort of an Orion-Andorian Syndicate. But I don't know if it's been out and out said that Andor, as a planet, has joined this, which means what are the rest of the Andorians up to? Now, we know that Rin, who we met last week in Scavengers, um, is an Andorian man who is presumably going to join a motley crew that we will discuss when we start to discuss next week's episode. Um, but that's interesting. So these are core members of the Federation. They've all left the Federation. Uh, there's obviously no ban because presumably Vance is human. So you know, there's no ban on you know these worlds becoming or joining Starfleet, for example. Um, now I realise I, I might be incredibly racist there by saying somebody who looks human is automatically human. I don't know. But for this episode, one thing I loved, right? I really, really loved is that the 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 quorum is led by a Vulcan and a moderate Romulan and what seems to be a hardline Romulan and I thought that actually was a really good mix. Sorry, wasn't the moderate Romulan uh, a mixed heritage Romuno Vulcan? Oh, do you know what you're right? And do you know what I I I picked that up as that it, it was just a community, but I think you're dead right. Sorry, I think you're absolutely right. That is a. Uh, um, Kind of half. Oh, I like that. And that also—they so were like embodying their their different positions. She's she's a literally split down the center. Um, yeah, I like that. Although now that now that I think about that, do I like that? Does it mean that Vulcan blood makes you calm and Romulan blood makes you excited? I mean that that's just going back to the uh, monolithic cultures that Star Trek is famous for. So yeah, it's fine. Yeah, that's true. Throw a bit of Klingon blood there as well, and you've got a wild weekend. Um. Hey everyone, I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash post. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. But in terms of, I mean, the, the quorum itself is interesting and the the arguments are more about, I mean, the episode is should Michael Burnham stay in Starfleet or not? With a asterisks and are we getting SB19's data? Spoiler, we do. 
Like, yeah, and I think that <laughs> that was essentially a question that was raised at the end of Scavengers, hinted at after she uh, reunited with the crew, and you know it was revealed that she'd spent a year apart from them and kind of learned to live outside of the Federation um, structure. Um, but uh, yes, I I guess uh, Unification Three um, addresses and potentially puts to bed the question about whether Michael is going to stay on Discovery or not. Um, she stays on Discovery as the ship science officer, which is two steps forward and two steps back as far as her position <laughs> for her position on the ship in the past year. Um, what, do, what do you think about her um, her ultimate decision? I, I I was frustrated on first watch because of the amount of change that we've seen in this one character in one season. I am not in any way opposed to change. I just think it's been a bit... Just, I've, I'm getting whiplash over she's staying, she's going. I I like... If, if, if this is it now, if she is going to stay on the ship, which she seems to be saying she will, and she's going to act as science officer, and we can sort of... Not that I want to see less of Sunico Martin-Green, but if we can make her part of the crew as opposed to the Burnham and Discovery show, I would be delighted with that because I like... The interaction um it inevitably feels a little bit rushed but it, i think it, it it's they couldn't really have done it another way in in one episode a uh, couple of really quick questions before we leave the episode overall uh my first question is in terms of feeling rushed what did you think of the way the pacing of the episode um i i didn't have an issue with the pace, pacing um it, it it honestly really felt like a classic um, you know, trial bottle episode to me, um, and I, I like that. Uh, did you have a specific point about the, the pacing? No. Well, one thing that I liked about it is that it took a few moments to slow down, and in particular, so I'll give you my answer first to the question I'm about to ask you, which is I loved the interplay and I loved the diplomacy that Saru developed or displayed between himself and President Tarina. My question being. What did you think of Captain Saru in this episode? Oh, it, yeah, the pacing as far as how the story unfolded, I loved it. Um, it actually gave us time to have conversations. There wasn't a lot of running around, jumping from location to location and, and plot thread to plot thread. It was a very uh, focused story, and I, and I really appreciated that. And I thought that Saru's diplomacy was, you know, I mean, the, the whole episode was really... Uh, a successful throwback to, you know, the more talky diplomatic episodes of the past. Um, so yeah, I thought that Saru um, acquitted himself well as the ship's captain, better than he had in in previous episodes um, this season. I thought, you know, um, and uh, I kind of got a little bit of like a flirtation. Did, is that did I, I just... a little, little bit? I got that a like bit I kind of wanted them to kiss at the end for some reason. Well, I'm okay with that. May, may, maybe there's a bit of pond fire going on. Maybe there isn't. Who knows? Who knows? Uh, really quick question: Would you accept Tilly as your first officer? Oh, <laughs> you know, um, Tilly. Tilly is such a great character. As like the. Um, I saw her as sort of like the beacon of hope in the more dour first and second seasons 
you know like she seemed to be like um emblematic of the more optimistic uh less burdened characters that we saw in the original series in the next generation like tilly seemed to me like she was sort of foreshadowing that kind of attitude in discovery whereas everyone else was dealing with their own issues and dealing with the you know klingon war and uh so taking tilly out of that context um is a little bit it's I think that there are other characters that could have taken on the first officer role, like uh, Non. Mm-hmm. Instead of dumping Non on Seed Ship, I think she would have been a great first officer. It almost feels like maybe that's why they did dump her on the Seed Ship, is so that they could give Tilly this promotion. It doesn't really feel very natural to me, and I like Tilly as the upbeat character you go to when you need that kind of scene, versus a... Um, actual leader on the ship. Like I, I just don't I know if I want her in that role. But I'm I'm open minded about it. I didn't really answer your question about me personally taking orders from Tilly, but that's my that's my thought about Tilly. That 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 is cool. That is a very well reasoned and I believe safe answer to that question. So kudos to that one. Deltas out of five. How many would you give it? Mm, gosh, uh, four and a half. Oh, very good. Four four and a half. I like it. Um, I will give it a four, a tiny little bit of, you know, there was a bit of relegation of the B-plot, which I was like, oh, okay. Do we feel Michael has calmed down and settled down? I'm pretty sure you have excellently answered that. I think, I hope so. And if it goes different, I'm sure we will address this with potentially rubbing of noses and uh, sighs next week. And now what we're going to do is we're going to discuss the news, which is really just a nice way of saying, let's talk about next week's episode. For over two centuries, you're listening to the Federation News Network. What's the episode called, Sean? So the episode next week is called Sanctuary. And I say next week, uh, we are recording this, this is the same week that the episode is due to be released. So this week's episode is called Sanctuary. And so we've, we've got the little teaser synopsis, we've got the trailer, and we've got a scene that's been released, and we've got pictures. Frankly, we've been spoiled. Uh, have we? Because the pictures are generally just people staring at consoles, so... <laughs> oh, that's it. it's actually, this, this is actually the console episode, it's just admiring the design of the way the ship's been done. No, um, I think, so, breaking it up bit by bit, we'll start with the trailer. So we both watched the trailer in preparation for this. So, uh, initial reactions to the trailer, what do you think? Um, You know, I'm very happy to finally learn more about Book. I haven't felt very satisfied with his interactions so far this season, his role in the show. Um, But he's got a lot of promise, like everything this season. Um, so, like, I'm, I'm eager to learn more about what his deal is, um, and I also, I'm excited to finally get a little bit more info about what's going on with Giorgio after we were teased last week that we would figure out maybe a little something about what's going on with her. They clearly cut the scene between Giorgio and Culber and saved it for this week, or there was some kind of marketing snafu where images from that scene were released as part of unification three but weren't actually going to be in that episode i don't know but you're dead right because i remember we were looking at it last week and one of the first things i was like oh great they've given colber an office 
He's really, he's graduated now to be the proper chief medical officer. Up to this point, he was just the intern. I'm, of course, joking. But it's it's just cool to see him with an office. And yet, they're, they've actually released... I don't know, obviously, we don't know yet if it's the whole scene, but they've released a, a, a roughly two-minute scene in that office, potentially as an apology for releasing the images early, um, of himself and Giorgio talking. And... Colbert once again is showing that he takes absolutely no crap from anyone this season. Yeah, it was a nice little scene of them sparring. Um, you know, uh, he's also he's um, he's he's like the badass doctor. You know, uh, he will like go to the mat with uh, anybody, but also is like the shoulder to cry on, which actually seems like, judging by his. Uh, presence on twitter and social media that seems like an awful lot like wilson cruz personally yeah no i i agree it seems to be um, i've done I've, I've done my fair amount of social media research and so uh, th- there's definitely a blurring of the lines i think between the character of culber and uh, the, the person of will screws and i'm okay with that like that's that's cool because it's it's refreshing to see somebody brings so much of themselves into a role obviously I, I don't know the man personally but from what it seems to be is that he's bringing a lot of himself into the role yeah and I, you know it's also nice to see Colbert evolve from Stamets partner to uh, his own fully fleshed out character in relatively short time you know he was absent for so much of season one and two because he was dead um, and then in, in a few episodes we've gotten with him, I, you know, the character has become very distinct and likable. I like the guy. Yep. Oh, same. He's easily, as it stands, one of my favorite. I will say as well, and this is not a criticism of Colbert's character, um, he is one of the most fleshed out characters. Um, yeah. And I think that, like, one of the things that I thought was interesting about the preview for this upcoming episode is Rin, the Andorian without antennae, is, um, he's back. Um, so, you know, um, whether or not he, he remains on, on, on the ship, um, it's good to, like, have a character, you know, um, recur. Um, mm. I think that one of the, uh, things that I, <laughs> I'm gonna nitpick Discovery about even more is the fact that we get introduced to these great characters, uh, non, um, uh, Reno, and then they fall off the face of the ship for two or three episodes you know like i i'm not getting that sort of deep space nine consistency where you know you can just run into anybody in the corridor like the episode really needs uh to like have like a a a specific reno scene generally for her to even be around um so like i i guess that's a long way of saying i'd like i like that the discovery crew is expanding i hope that rin stays on board um and I also hope that, like, these characters continue to be featured in a way that, like, allows us to get, uh, allows us to, get to know them. I think so. What, what I think as well is that Rin has already been shot. So, uh, a bit like A Christmas Carol, the Martys were dead to begin with. Hopefully they've got that out of the way from because there does seem to be a bit of explosions and ship-to-ship missiles and, you know, some people seem pretty unhappy in the uh, coming trailer, but it looks like it's going to be an action-heavy episode. Um, oh yeah, he's totally a goner, isn't he? No, like, actually, <laughs> I hope it's in the way. I hope they've got it out of the way. I was like, no, we've done the shooting of him, 
So let's shoot somebody else. Or the guy's just got a target on his back, but... Absolutely. When he is bright blue, he's easy to... I mean, they they seem to be standing in a kind of an autumnal forest. You're going to spot him. And he's lacking some sensory organs, so, you know, he's really at a disadvantage here. Oh, he really is bone, isn't he? Uh, um, So, good luck, Rin. Uh, (laughs) It looks like as well... So, I'm pretty sure it's confirmed. So, uh, in the synopsis, it's Buck's home planet that they're going to. And it's under the thumb of the mentioned but not yet seen Osira. Right, head of the Emerald Chain, who, yes. uh, judging by the trailer, this is an uh, Orion woman. Uh, do you want the Emerald Chain to be the big bads of this season? Uh, do you want to see like a big uh, blowout battle with the Emerald Chain at the end of the season, along with uncovering the mystery of the burn or do you hope as i do that there's a even bigger bad or at least something more interesting than just a gang of orions and andorians storing up mischief i i definitely don't think they're going to be the big bad i think we'll have something not starfleet per se but something like that that there will be something bigger at work one thing I thought was cool as well, because if you think of everything that we've seen of the Orion people and Orion culture up to this point, it's kind of cool to see an Orion woman leading the Empire. Yeah. Now, I don't know if they're good. I don't know if we if we like any of this, but all of the Orion women that we've seen before this have been slave girls, have been... You're forgetting the classic standout season four Enterprise episode called Bound, God, in which this. it was revealed... That the Orion slave women were in fact not the slaves; they were the slavers. They were the masters. You forget this episode. You're right. I did. For, uh, like I remember a bit. So I remember one of them is played by one of the versions of Tora Zial. Zial. Yeah. yeah. Um. No, I'll give you that one. I had forgotten that because yeah. All right. Well, I take all of that back. It's still nice to see an Orion woman leading the uh, leading the pack. That's good. And uh, yeah, I, I was laughing because in the, in the trailer I was like, oh, pointed fingers, it must be a Klingon. And you were like, no, it's very clearly an Orion woman. John. Well, no, I also think that it, it could be. It could be a Klingon. Um, I just, uh, I've noticed that a lot of aliens on Discovery have pointed fingers. So. They really do. I wonder, yeah. like, is it something that the, the costume department was like, okay, we start with pointed fingers and then we work up the hands from there. And if it is, <laughs> hey, look, it's working for you. Neville Page and Glenn Hetrick, uh, they have sort of a, a couple of repeating motifs, and one of those is, is uh, long fingernails and bright blue eyes. Was it just me, or did Saru's eyes seem particularly bright this week? I think that there's something going on with the color grading this season. Uh, Discovery's interiors are very blue. Um, you know, like, the, I, I was noticing in the corridor scenes that... Either they're lighting the sets with blue lighting or they're tinting it after the fact. And we will keep an eye out for that in the upcoming episode. But based on what we've seen so far, Sanctuary, looking forward to it? Yes, although I know that, you know, it's going to have like, it's got a long journey to get to the point, to the uh, height of Unification 3. Though, it's also got a long way to go down to reach the, you know, not so great levels of Scavengers. Uh, This is potentially an unfair question. But out of Discovery overall so far, where does Unification 3 stand for you? Uh, yeah, I guess it, it is an unfair question. Um, <laughs> and you have five seconds to answer it. It's, I, th- I thought that it ranked pretty high for me. Um, I, you know, it did this uh, 
this uh, what I've been wanting out of the show for a while, which is to play with legacy storytelling. Um, you know, I, th- I thought that did that really successfully balanced the you know TNG arc with the current Discovery arc with Michael's overall arc. Um, I thought that was like a perfect balance. So I, I think that the episode ha- ranks very high as like a um, like a prototypical. This is what Discovery should be for me. Cool. Yeah, I agree. I think it was really, really good, solid. Um, cool. All right. For over two centuries, the Federation News Network. Well, that brings us up to more or less the end of analysing the episode and looking forward to next week. So we'll obviously pick it up again on the next episode of the pod. For now, Paul, yes, I'm going to put you right in front of the quorum as I task you to either defend to defend your decision to get rid of something permanently as I ask you to condemn something to Cargo Bay 101. Okay, really, really quickly. The rules of Cargo Bay 101 is what goes into Cargo Bay 101 gets blasted off out into space, never to come back. It can be anything at all from the entire Star Trek franchise. What would you put in Cargo Bay 101 that you would then slam your hand down on the console and blast it out into space? Well, given the entire Star Trek franchise, there's a lot to choose from. But I'll, I'll, I'll stick with Discovery, and I'll stick with something relevant to Season 3. Um, I think Gersha Phillips, the costume designer, is an excellent costume designer. She makes a mean jacket. Um, I really am fond of the new uniforms and costumes that she's uh, developed for Season 3. However, Uh-oh. I've never really loved the standard-issue Discovery uniforms, the blue and blinged-out costumes with the asymmetrical collar and zipper, and I think it's time to put those in the airlock and blow them out into space and give Discovery their own, maybe not like the 32nd century standard issue uniforms, but some kind of Discovery-specific hybrid uh, jumpsuits that are, you know, flashy and uh, consistent with uh, the 32nd century aesthetic. And um, if we're going to name Discovery Discovery A to hide the fact that she's a uh, from the distant past, why are they still wearing their 23rd century uniforms? That doesn't make any sense to me. So get those 23rd century costumes, put them in the airlock, and blow them out into space. You make a strong argument. I won't lie to you. You make a strong argument. I think aesthetically, I, think they look, I do like them. Uh, and it took me a while. It did take me a while. I think initially I I didn't warm to them very quickly in the first season. But they've grown on me now. Could we keep the collars? No, those are the worst part. Get rid of them. <gasps> oh, is it just the angles that bother you? Yes, and, you know, um, they actually look great on the uh, female characters, on the actresses. Um, but I don't think that they look very good on, on the men on the ship <laughs> I'm sorry no no that's, that, that's cool but you know you're going to have to elaborate on that point uh, yeah I, they, 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 these uniforms look really good on women and I, I just think that they look a little bit 
ill-fitting on the men. Short and sweet. <laughs> no, I like. I think if is are there any of them you would save? <coughs> Colbert's one. <clears throat> uh, you know, I like the um, less flashy the uh, way team uniforms with the actual with like a just like a normal collar. In fact, if you want to get really really granular here, my favorite uniforms from Discovery are the science division uniforms from The Trouble with Edward because they got rid of the asymmetrical stuff and they were a little bit more, you know, they were a little bit more traditionally what you'd expect from Star Trek, the colored top and the black pants. But it had that, like, that uh, just straightforward collar, straightforward zipper uh, without all the bling. I like those uniforms quite a bit. Okay, so... Where does that leave us? I'm, I'm, I, I, am I with you on the asymmetrical thing? Because you're right. The trouble, the trouble with Edward's one. The trouble with Edward's? The trouble with? Oh no, that's right. Sorry, the trouble with Edward. Yes. Oh my God, it's baked into me to go. The trouble with troubles. The trouble with Edward uh, costumes. I really like them as well. I have to say they were really, really nice and stand out. I love seeing the different color. Oh, go on then. I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. But that means I'm gonna take something you like next week. So live in fear live in fear but with that I won't belabor a point you win this week so I'm going to depressurize this bay and that'll bring us up to date for the moment so before I depressurize anything Paul really quickly thank you so much for your time Uh, if anybody wants to reach out and get in touch where can they find you you can find me on Twitter expressing my hot takes at Paul Sutherland Excellent. Thank you very much. Uh, To everyone listening or watching, please drop a like. Please subscribe to the channel. Please drop a comment if you can. You can find us over on Twitter at TrekCulture, all one word. You can find me at Sean Ferrick as well. In the meantime, guys, stay safe, live long and prosper, and grab onto something. (coughs) 